Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 212 of the Talking Shop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is our typical Sunday night time slot, but nothing else in this world right now is typical. But I do have my uh, regular co-host with me. Eric Cole is here. Hello, Eric. Hey, Bradford. How's it going? You know, uh, as we talked about with Scott and I on the last podcast, nothing's regular at the moment. It's it's okay. We're hanging in there. I am uh, I'm blessed to be able to work from home. So it's not like uh, things are too bad, just kind of that stir crazy feeling. But other than that, we're we're surviving. How are you feeling over there? Uh, we're family is doing well. I mean, like all things considered, the situation around around the world right now is really rough. But my wife's a teacher, so she's able to work from home. They're doing like the distance learning stuff. The kids are are doing school from home. They're kind of starting to go a little bit stir crazy, uh, understandably. But we're trying to make sure we're still doing fun stuff with them and. Make sure that they're having a good time. Uh, I was laid off of my day job, uh, which was unfortunate, but not necessarily unexpected working in the restaurant industry. When restaurants aren't open, that's kind of something that's just going to happen, unfortunately. But beyond that, I mean, like, I'm very fortunate in the, the county that I live in. There are there are certainly cases of coronavirus, but it's not like it's not like a situation like Metro Atlanta where we're talking about like hundreds upon hundreds of cases. Um, and it looks like that in, in my specific area, things are kind of slowing down a little bit. So, I mean, it's obviously not an ideal situation right now, but at, all in all, things are going well. And, you know, I, I really can't, I really can't complain. And, you know, other than some like minor inconveniences, you know, beyond just the not being able to leave, uh, and go out and do anything, which is certainly is bad, but you know, a couple of minor inconveniences, like more specifically geared towards me, uh, I really can't complain. Yeah. Uh, I think, obviously your situation is that you've been directly impacted. Uh, my, my direct impact is interesting in some ways and that I'm uh, probably working more than normal, which is be it, which is kind of bizarre at this moment, but, um, hopefully people are, uh, hanging in there around, around us that are listening to this podcast and hopefully we'll provide some relief in terms of, uh, a distraction, uh, in the sports world. We'll talk about some baseball on the pod as we have been doing and will continue to do as long as we can figure out things to talk about. Um, but before we get to our topic for today, which is, uh, some, some of the best moments in our Braves watching histories, um, I wanted to give you a chance to respond a little bit to what Scott and I talked about last week, which was, uh, all of the basically goings on with baseball and the agreement that they've made. There's been little rumblings, but no, no real changes in the last week when it comes to, uh, approach. There was uh, some reporting, out there from Ken Rosenthal that baseball's at least looked into playing at spring training parks with no fans. That kind of came out about two days ago now. 
but nothing in terms of like actual changes other than some minor league uh, payment stuff, which is good. They're always paying minor leaguers, which is definitely something that I appreciate that they're already underpaid as it is. So not paying them would have been bad. But uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the state of baseball right now? Obviously, we're not experts. We, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the virus or how baseball will handle it. But uh, what, you, what was your sort of reaction to uh, all of the agreements that were uh, put in place by, by baseball and the player association? I was genuinely surprised that they were able to come to agreement on some of those issues, particularly service time. I really thought that given how the labor landscape was between owners and players, that the issue of, you know, whether or not players were going to get that year of service time was going to be something that could have really gotten acrimonious in a hurry, despite the situation that we find ourselves in. But, you know, they, they ended up where the players end up getting service time, you know, those who are those like the Astros, for example, they're serving uh, suspensions. Those will be up uh, regardless of when that the season happens. They guaranteed a certain amount of money to the players. Uh, you know, I, I don't actually know what the total amount, total payroll is, you know, overall. But it sounds like you know it's a certain percentage of the overall payroll that will go to players for this year. Even if the entire season's lost, they will get that money. Um, so overall, being like it's fine, right? Like you know, we don't know enough about. For example, if the season is lost, are they going to do the absolute floor of how many rounds there could be in the draft? Um, because in all honesty, one of the best things you can do dollar for dollar in bringing in, con- um, bringing in talent into your organization is to get it through the draft. So I'm a little bit dubious that they're just going to completely forego that possibility, even though there are some complications with it. And there's certainly some issues with payroll uh, and just kind of – in the inflow of cash not happening right now for baseball to organizations that they don't necessarily want to put out any money towards the draft. But at the same time, like if you're looking for to be like the cost cutting sort of, you want to keep, keep bringing good players in, but you don't want to spend much money to do it. The draft is the way to do it. So I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical that they end up doing the floor of, I think it was like, uh, I can't remember if it was five or 10 rounds. Five, five, it was five. That's right. Yeah. It, it could, the minimum be five. I, I think that they won't go below, below 10, I believe is kind of my general thought process. Um, and maybe I, I, I'm being wrong about that. I just think I'm a little bit dubious about it. I am very, very skeptical at this point though, that a season happens, um, simply because there are too many governors and like there, there's on a state by state basis, there's not enough uniformity for me to have any confidence at all that we could get something going. I mean, the, the idea that's been floated around, like playing games in spring training parks, even if the, you know, those end up being neutral sites, um, and they, you know, but like, for example, California, they're already talking about how they don't think it like the governor of California doesn't think it's particularly likely right now for NFL games to start in August or September. Now, if that's the case, there's no chance that there's going to be any baseball starting up in July. And I am a little bit skeptical that they would start a season past July 1st. I just am because there's, there's, there's this prevailing notion that once we get past this peak with you know with COVID-19 and you know once we get past it then it'll be over and done with and we can just you know push the games into November if we have to but there's a very real possibility that we could find ourselves with a re- like another outbreak this fall once the weather cools back down and I don't think they necessarily put themselves in a position where they have to cancel games on the back end of the season in addition to like you know what we've already lost. So I think that if we don't st- see have a, a hard and fast agreement that games will start being played by like the first week of July, I am co- color me very skeptical that the games would happen at all. Yeah, that's probably a decent cutoff point when it comes to how this would go. Just because we talked about this a little bit last time with Scott, but there's a financial component here too. Like you know, TV wise, 
does not care, you know, TV revenue does not carry the day in baseball the way that it does in football and basketball. It still matters uh, quite a bit, but it does not carry the weight of, uh, you know, for instance, basically the NBA and the NFL can pr- pretty much exist only on TV money if they had to uh, with no gate revenue. And baseball does not have that same um, makeup, particularly um, just the way they rely on and how many dates there are, et cetera, et cetera. And there probably is a, a drop dead point where baseball doesn't want to have a season that's shorter than 100 games. And, you know, to do a 100 game season that doesn't start until August is basically impossible when you're talking about, you know, the weather and kind of the way the things that go and they don't want to go ahead ahead against football as much as they can as well, etc. So, I think I agree, like I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but I do think that there is a cutoff point with baseball and the way that there probably isn't in some other sports because of the weather and the logistics uh, involved in playing games. So, we'll see. Um that's kind of my answer to everything right now, but uh I think it's certainly good to just point out that, you know, there's no question that there is a possibility that the season will not happen. <laughs> and I think, I think everybody kind of knows that, but it's worth repeating every once in a while just to kind of put that in people's minds that, you know, it may not happen and that's okay. Um, if that's the right thing to do, that's it's what's going to happen. Um, we all hope that there will be sports because that means things are going better in the country and in the world, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you know, the, I'm already kind of starting to think about things like what is arbitration going to look like? You yeah, know, there, yeah, there are lots just, of little, little things like that that, that will fall like, up. Yeah, like those, yeah, I mean, I, and you know, the, I don't. It's not worth jumping the gun on because, like for example, in that agreement, there was like, like it almost seems like there's a gentleman's agreement that they're not like if there is a shortened season that they're not going to use these counting stats against players in arbitration. But I, but at the same time, I don't even know how you can like scale things in a way that makes any sense in terms of like those arbitration agreements if they have if you have to go to mediation, and I mean like, like little things like that, and you know. How are the Dodgers going to feel if the, if Mookie Betts ends up not playing a, a a game in a Dodgers uniform? You know, when real, it's no, it's neither side's fault that that trade didn't work out. It's just you know, games didn't get played. But you know, the, his service time, like the, little things like that, I'm starting to think more and more about because I'm just becoming more and more pessimistic about the idea of the season happening. Just, I, I just don't think that there's certainly going to be places in the country that are going to be they're going to not have the issues that that others are right like there's but when those when the when the around the country just in the US the places where it's currently really bad are California, New York and Florida which is where a lot of the big market teams are and it's where a lot of the and, and in the case of Florida that's where a lot of the spring training sites would be too like i just don't know how those games are going to happen i just don't yeah i mean it, what, you, what you said before is important to point out, just the fact that this is a situation that impacts so many, I would say, areas, municipalities, cities, states, that um, trying to have uniformity on this stuff is really, really hard. And unlike sports like basketball, you can't even really construct a, construct a way where you can play in these buildings that are not you know, normal buildings. Baseball has to have a baseball field. Like You have to be on a certain amount of land. Yep. Um, you can't just like throw it in the ballroom like, like you could with a basketball game. It doesn't really work out that way. So yeah, lots of hurdles to get over <laughs> to be sure before they can actually play baseball. And uh, no fans seems like the easiest way to get it going, but even that requires, you know, testing on players and trainers and broadcast staff and all this stuff. And it's always, it's just more than people think it's Getting the players' association on board of getting their guys in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like that. None of these things are, you know. And they have to, and they have to also. I mean, that's. Uh, I think there's. I think every single sport has to have some kind of training 
period before they could start playing again. But with baseball and the fact that they had not started the season yet, and pitchers especially, you got you got to stretch out. And like you know, you could talk about how maybe that's overblown in some ways, but you can't have pitchers throwing six innings in a start if they have not had the time to stretch out their arms. And that requires, you know, team monitored activity before the season starts. Like you can't just decide to start in July. You get, you'd have to have teams realistically, you have to have teams gathering by what mid may to have a July 1st start. Like, uh, yeah, at least allowing certain amounts of player staff interaction. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you don't have to have the the, like entire team workouts where like everyone's on the field you know, in a line, you know, doing kick drills and stuff, but, but access like, to facilities and like stuff that is yeah. monitored by trainers and coaches. And you have I, to be able to have some sort of interaction to get that going, not full spring training by any means, but you can't just have guys show up two weeks before and start playing. That's not going to work in baseball. So no. anyway, lots of uh, hurdles and we'll probably talk about that sort of as a weekly update to kind of see how we're feeling about this. We'll, we'll go over the, the latest news. This, this week it was kind of light just because there was the big sort of bombshell a week and a half ago that we talked about with Scott last time about the agreement. But I, I'm, I'm sure the news will be coming out. There was uh, the big meeting between all the baseball leagues and the president this week. There's all kinds of stuff that's going to be happening in the future. So we'll talk about it as it comes up. Um, Eric, do you have any more thoughts before, before we transition to our, our topic du jour today? I have a question, and it's not Braves related, but I have a question for you, okay? We know right now that the Astros, like, you know, Hinch and Lunau, regardless of whether the 2020 season is happening, that their their suspension will be served during the 2020 season. Yes. Do Do you think that Manfred will announce the punishment for the Red Sox until he knows for sure that the season is going to happen? Hmm. I had not thought about that. Um, let's see. I think he kind of has to. Yeah, it, it would it be, might not it'd be pretty cause... bad, like optically to only have one team punished this season and have the other one have to take it in a season that may that, you know, because the season might, ha- might, might not happen. So if the Astros just get to eat their suspensions now and Boston or anybody else that gets punished with this later on has to do it when the games are actually happening, that'd be a, that'd be a tough look, you have to say. It would be a tough look. I will say that I think it's likely that they would announce – it may not end up mattering except for draft pick loss because I think it's very likely that Cora gets a lifetime ban. That's, I mean, that's big, and I feel like I feel like it's hard to predict a lifetime ban, but given the fact that we, we covered someone that had a lifetime ban um, and is kind of the only one that's got <laughs> – and, and, and this looks like he's going to be his second organization. It looks like, I mean, we don't know for sure what the findings were. We don't. But. And that's, that's the thing that we want to point out. Like I'm not as doubted on this as I would have been if it was Braves related for sure. But you know, because it is a possibly a, re- a repeat offender situation, um, it gets to be a little bit more taxing and like how many, like what is the step? That's kind of what I don't know about this is for Manfred. What is the step between what, happen to the Astros guys and what they did to copy. Like, is there, is there something in between those two things? Is it like, is it one year or a lifetime? Like, is there a three year ban? Like, is it, does that exist? I have no idea. Like, it's just kind of arbitrary. I mean, it, it, it might. And I also wonder how much it matters. Cause I'm not, I mean, I can't see Lunau or Hinch getting hired anytime particularly soon. Yeah. Maybe I mean, Hinch. you have to think like they're, they're going to be punished. I do think that I, I think you were to say this too, just now Hinch is much more likely to get a job. 
um, in the near future, and maybe not even managing, but like he could probably be a bench coach somewhere and just kind of live in yeah. obscurity. Like he's very overqualified for that. Lou now, you know, and I, I think the difference is also with this stuff is that Hinch is, I think, proven in a way that you know Lou now is obviously well regarded, but he also had issues in his previous stops. Like he's not exactly the most well regarded person right now, and it's it's a lot easier to sell a manager, I think, coming back. And maybe a smaller role, or even as a manager in a smaller market, something like that, um, than it is to be the team that hired Jeff Lunau to run their baseball team right now. Like it'd be really right. hard to justify that. And if you're Lunau, do you want to go be like the third person in the front office? You probably don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, like special assistant to the GM or something like that. that. That's probably the way back in for him is like to be an advisor for somebody for two years and like you know bide his time. But if, if you're someone who's you know earned what he's earned and been in that kind of position for quite some time now, do you want to restart or do you want to just like retire and go do something else? I don't know. I mean, it's a fair question. And I, and I don't know. It's weird to me that I mean like Manfred makes the statement. It was either last week or the week before. He's like, we, we have concluded the Red Sox investigations, but I honestly haven't had time to kind of compile my report to release it so we can get, so we can get the punishments out there. And I'm just like, I mean, I get it because given what the state of the world you're right. He probably hasn't had enough time, but at the same time, I'm like, I mean, how long are we just going to sit on this? You know, I just, <laughs> yeah. don't, I, I, just, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I completely get what he's having to go through. I do. But that also kind of makes me wonder, I'm like, at some point you do have to kind of announce it, right? Like you can't just go, never mind. We'll just kind of hold off on this one until 2021 or something like that. And it just kind of made me start me thinking about that. Yep, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any answers on this one. I'm sure we'll talk about that too. Any baseball news right now? That's actual baseball news. I will, we'll probably talk about because we like baseball. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there hasn't been much. It's been pretty. There has not been much, especially with it, with it, with the transaction freeze on top of everything else. There's not even a possibility to produce uh, on field stuff at the moment. So yeah, we're uh, we're left with uh, you know various topics that we can get to, which includes the one that we're about to get to today. Talking about our favorite moments, uh, Eric, I think, unless you have more to add, we will go to a break right now, and when we come back, we will go through our respective top five, I think, lists of our favorite moments in, uh, in our Braves history, so hold on tight. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Eric, and we teed it up before the break, but we're back with this. Um, this is the first time, I think, maybe ever, um, 
that I have recorded with either you or Scott, we, and we do, I, I have no idea what you're about to say. Because usually, as we look behind the curtain a little bit here, we usually share a document. We talk about things. Sometimes we definitely have stuff that we've filed away separately to use as information. But generally, I kind of know what we're going to cover on a podcast. We've shared a document. We've talked about this stuff beforehand. It's called preparation. And we do it. But this time, I basically... You know, you brought you brought this up to me as, as a good idea that I, I think that we should do, and we're going to do it now. But um, top five Braves moments for us, basically. And now we've not exchanged ideas on this just yet. We are of similar age; we're not too far apart there, so I think our viewpoints will be relatively close together. And uh, just for just so people know, what I basically did here was eliminate anything before I knew what was going on. Like I didn't throw out Hank Aaron's. 715 because I wasn't alive. Um, so that's one thing like that's, that's, that's one that's very obviously would be on like an, an older person's list that it will not be on my list. Um, so I went with people was with basically stuff that I remember. Um, I was old enough to remember and beyond. Did you do the same thing or did you go beyond that? I, I did exactly the same thing. Cause I mean, again, 715 would have been on there. Uh, like even like the weird Rick camp game, yep. probably, like those things would have certainly been, you know, on my, you know, Bob Horner type games or, uh, you know, even there's, you know, games involving Murph and, you know, like there's a lot of reasons to be like a lot of things back in Braves history you can get really excited about, but I didn't experience those. I just didn't. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't, I can't tell you what my thoughts were, you know, when, <laughs> when Horner, you know, went wild in one game or whatever. It's just, I wasn't alive. So, um, so that's what I did too. I, I only went with things that I remembered happening. Um, and I, like I, I put together a top five with a six, a number six that, is honestly probably going to be in a lot of top fives, even in my, almost my age brackets. But <laughs> but I have but I but I, I have specific reasons why I don't I I didn't put that in mind. So I have a bunch uh, of honorable but, mentions too. So I actually made a list of like ten or eleven, and I, I know I know what my five is, and they might overlap. So I wanted to make sure we covered a bunch of different um, things here. So I did make some stuff that is on there, and uh, at least what I did is uh, kind of favorite moments. Um, obviously, they'll, they'll also be the great moments that everybody will have to some extent, but I also have a few in there that maybe wouldn't make everybody's list that I made because they're my favorite moments. So we'll see what happens here. Um, I don't know what the order here, Eric. Did you did, did you do yours five to one, or are they just grouped in five? I just grouped in the five. I can't possibly. like. They're, 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 I understand. They're, these, yeah. are, these are very, very different moments right and that's fine why, I, mean, no, it's, it's, um, it's I will say do. though uh sid bream's slide is not in my top five okay then uh and, all right that, that'll do it for today's podcast <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up no, right here my reasoning here is that and I'll, they'll get me to my first moment and then i can i guess we can just go back and forth let, let, let's do sid right now let's let's get it out of the way okay so when i was a kid growing up my the first game that i remember happening that i remember watching was jack morris versus john smoltz Right. That that's the first yep. game I remember watching on TV, and that is in my top five. That's my first. That's the first one that I put down on my list, and like it was an unbelievable game. Two guys that just pitched out of their minds, and just you know, I even I still have a soft spot for the Twins as a result of like this game. Right. So I remember that game happening. It's, but I was in the t- at the time I was living in upstate New York, and we didn't have cable. There just wasn't cable where we lived, so the NLDS against the pirates i did not get to watch uh my, my 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 parents did not have that on the tv and you know i was kind of like i was really young so like i was only kind of a little bit of aware of what was going on anyway uh and i didn't watch the slide happen until it was a highlight on on sports center later on so <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a tough situation for me because like obviously you know being a braves fan you know 
the slide is kind of this iconic moment that happened in Braves history. And of course people should be celebrating it. But for me, I didn't actually watch it live happen. So I just had to kind of, and I, I didn't like, I didn't watch it on TV when it was happening. I didn't watch it in person. So it's kind of something that I've always experienced like kind of in the past, even though I was alive during it. So for me, like, is it an important moment? Yeah. Uh, certainly there are lots of debate as to whether or not he was actually safe or not. And you know, it's, pretty impressive that they found someone that slow to run the bases uh during that, that period of time uh and i still enjoy watching it a lot but for me you know i if i'm going from that general period of time i actually prefer the jack Moore jack morris versus john smoltz game simply because that was like the first game that i remember watching that that was a great game no shame whatsoever it's not on my list um you know sid if I, if i had to rank these it would be number one and now I'll tell the, the whole story in as fast as possible. I've written this before and shared it in different places. Um, but, you know, basically, I, if I had to pick out one moment to attribute my love of sports to, it's probably that moment. Um, I was six years old, so I was very young, but I was kind of a sports weird person before that. My parents always told me that I used to read the sports section when I was, when I was even smaller than that. Regardless, uh, my dad woke me up in the seventh and my mom was asleep and we watched it together and my mom was mad that I was awake. But uh, basically, that, that's the moment I would attribute all of everything to. And I, I can't even, even now, I can't even hear the call from Skip without getting emotional. And I hope I don't have to hear it right now because I'll probably get emotional, which is kind of insane. That's a weird thing to have like sort of trigger that in me, but it's definitely the case. So it'd be number one for me. It was, it was obviously they didn't win the world series that year. I understand all that stuff, but if you have to fit, if, if, I think if, if you have to pick one moment that was like the moment of the whole run, that's still probably it. Even though they won the world series three years later, which is kind of crazy. I think that I would argue that is the moment people reference and the, the moment people circle and emphasize of the entire run in the nineties more than any other moment. Um, and, you know, it's personal to me, but it's personal to a lot of people. I, the whole, you know, the call from Skip, even the national call, that was, uh, it made the rounds because it was on TV. Um, I guess, was that two days ago? Was that yesterday? Yeah, it was really recently. Yeah. Um, we were uh, even live tweeting it as well on talkshop.com. It was not me. I think it was Demetrius, but. Um, it, I'm pretty sure it was DB. <laughs> Based on the tweets coming out, I'm yes. pretty sure it was DB. Uh, but regardless, even the national call, like Sean McDonough, that's an awesome national call. I, I'll always listen to Skip and always think that yeah, it's was, Skip. I was about to say, like, Skip, I mean, like, you could put on this list, and I probably should have, just Skip and Don or Skip and Pete calling games. Yeah, like, I mean, Skip is a legend. Uh, all that all that to say, I could do the whole call for you right now. I'm not going to do it. But even the national call was good. Like, everything about that was fantastic. Uh, why Sid was even still in the game. You know, the Cabrera basically doing nothing else in his entire career except for that one moment. Uh, there's all kinds of things. Yep. Barry Bonds in left field. Uh, all the stuff. It was... You can go down the list. We'll, 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 this will be a two-hour podcast. We do this for every single moment. But, yeah, it's on my list. I know why it's not on yours. I, I totally get it. But it, it'd be number one for me if I had them ordered. And uh, people are probably yelling at you right now. That's not on your list, which is okay. And that, and that is perfectly fine. You, you explained like, it. You, honestly, didn't, you I, didn't see it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not that I don't think it was an important moment. It's just that me experiencing it, like, it was just not the same for me, right? Uh, which brings us to – Yeah, go to the next one. Here we go. Uh, game 6, 1995. So – the game itself is like a moment for me, but there's a couple things that I think people forget about that are still very vivid in my mind. It's worth mentioning that Braves fans were not happy with David Justice before this game started. That's true. Because Justice had like gone on some tirade in a New York newspaper, I think, where he's like talking about how like, you know, Braves fans weren't showing up and like, you know, they weren't getting excited at these games and that they need to do, you know, and Braves fans did not like that. And in a scoreless tie, 
the one guy that hits a home run that ends up being the game clincher is David Justice. When Braves fans are, if he had, if they had lost that series, they would have had his head on a pike. Yeah, um, and like, they would have <laughs> never, they would have never forgiven him. Um, but instead, he hit the game-winning home run, and people forget that that ever happened now because all was forgiven. Um, and also, I mean, the you know, Marquis Grisham, the the catch on that that flare that Bayerga hit. I mean, like I still remember vividly the call. I remember him, you know, kind of like it was it was just far enough away from him that I was concerned that it was going to drop, uh, but he got under it, and you know, it's just for something. I, mean, I was a I was eleven uh, when when that game happened. And just I'm I vividly remember watching that game like hanging on every moment of like that entire series and like jumping up and down in my room waking up my brother and you know causing havoc you know when they won it you know over a really good Indians team uh, after a really impressive postseason run where they they beat up on Colorado and they swept Cincinnati I think uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I might be you know mixing up series because there there was some world series runs during that period of time just that was the only one that ended the way that i wanted it to (laughs) Um, and and, and no one none of those moments are going to be on this list by the way um uh those ones where things didn't go quite as well but you know i just i vividly remember that game happening everything that was surrounding how that game happened and you know marquis catching that ball and other than that it was just a pitcher's duel it's you know, it's what cemented baseball as my favorite sport. And I, you know, I, I started I started getting into baseball with Jack Morris and John Smoltz. But, you know, game six is where I kind of was like, yep, this is what I like. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the thing about justice. And, uh, you know, Glavin was just absurd that night. So it's all kinds of things that uh, that you want to say. Uh, my my it's it would, it would have been on my list. I, I do have to say I did not watch this game live, which is hilarious. Um, I listened to it on the radio, which is also interesting in itself. Um, I, I threw a fit about this too, but my, my mom dragged my brother and I somewhere, um, to, it was, a, we, we, were at, we were basically at a, at a retreat that, uh, that evening we were, I was glued to the radio and got in trouble for doing that. But um, who's, who's doing the radio calls in 95? Um, I th- because it was the world series. I think it was skip because they weren't doing TV. Oh, I think you might be right. But I have to go back. I actually don't. Yeah, because they didn't have the national. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, like I listened to the game on the radio, which is even kind of a bizarre experience, and because it's uh, you know in my lifetime, only two of my teams have ever won championships in my lifetime. That was the first, and then Michigan Michigan won a co championship ninety seven in football, um, and every other you know just had that happen and, and actually watch it, which is kind of funny. But obviously, I've seen a lot since then. It was uh, not on my list because I knew it would be on yours, so I cheated and uh, didn't leave it on my five. I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, it would have been on my list if I was being honest with with myself and the the first and only title in Atlanta Braves history. So there you go. Um, All right, let's move on. Uh, I will add one to the mix now. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit um, less prominent for right now. This one is on my personal list, and it's very, very personal to me. But it was uh, was, uh, Jeff Rancor's first hit being the home run in July of 05. Now, this is silly in a lot of ways, but I know Jeff and I grew up with Jeff, not like close friends. He's older than I am by about a year and a half. But uh, that was like very local to me in addition to being an awesome moment that people remember. And Jeff, for people that are younger may not, may not remember this, but Jeff Rancor was like the thing at that point, um, particularly the, with the way that he played when he first got called up, there was a Sports Illustrated cover, et cetera, et cetera. He was kind of lighting the league on fire. That was his first 
first hit was a home run. And uh, all I remember about that, well, not, not all, but my main memory of that is his dad uh, with his hands in the air. If you ever watched the replay, when, when they, they cut to his yep. parents going absolutely nuts in the stadium. And uh, I remember going nuts, too, and, you know, just kind of having that personal thing, too, but also thinking he was going to be a star forever. Um, and he obviously was not. But, yeah, it was awesome in that moment. And I wanted to make sure we had a couple of, like, non-super important things on this list, and that was one that was a personal one for me that I wanted to put on there. So there you go. Yep. Uh, I'm actually going to go ahead, and, and since you did a personal one, uh, I will say that uh, Mike Stroke's debut against the Mets. Uh, <laughs> I love this so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, you have to understand for me that a lot of what my current feeling about the team and kind of my attachment to the team, like I had two very distinct like areas of very intense fandom. It was early on in that night in that nineties run uh, from like that first world series, like through like all the heartbreakers against the, the, the Yankees. Then like I was uh, certainly aware of the team, you know, like during like the heart of like, you know, chippers dominance. Right. But I wasn't like as in depth in my fandom and necessarily keeping up with like every single game, et cetera, et cetera. Until I like maybe a couple years before I started, I joined talking Chop. And by then, you know, like once I started doing coverage, you know, you get an attachment to like a, a certain set of characters and they certainly weren't on the major league club my, my first few years of Talking Chop. Uh, and, you know, my guy was Soroka. He was one of the first guys that I interviewed for Talking Chop. Um, other than like, you know, there's a couple more, like more like lesser minor leaguers before that. You know, he was a first round pick that year. I interviewed him. I was blown away by talking to the kid and I, you know, I followed and I covered him. And obviously I'm famously, you know, like raining praise down upon him that's your guy you know yeah forever and it was hysterical to me that people that i would normally i could ask about you know like is you know is mike getting moved up is you know like whether it be to double a triple a or whatever like you know they would be like you know i would get like immediate responses you know like even if it was i don't know or we haven't really heard anything yet etc etc i knew like i want to say 36 hours before he was getting called up because like I had heard a whisper like, Hey, I, we've heard a rumor that maybe it could be Mike. I reached out to those normal, those normal people. And I was like, Hey, you know, is he getting called up? And I got crickets, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this is for sure is happening, happening now. Yep. So, um, and and it was so funny the like the moment the the news was broken and I like I didn't break it, um, you know, maybe if I pushed a little bit harder I guess I probably could have but you know you in that situation where a guy's making his major league debut you don't necessarily want to like give a team more time to prepare against him et cetera et cetera so there's a lot of reasons why you don't necessarily want to do it it's generally poor form um, in a lot of ways to if you even if you have the information really super early. It's just you. You kind of there's strategic reasons not not to do something like that, and I, you know, sometimes you have, things are just embargoed, so you just can't. Um, but as soon as it was announced, I had like seven text messages. Everyone like apologizing to me that they couldn't tell me and they didn't want to talk to me because they knew I would get it out of them. Um, so it was really a, it was a really fun day, and you know, obviously he pitched great, and you know, there was obviously there was the injury, you know, maybe a month or so after, a month and a half after that. Uh, and then him coming back and doing what he did last year. You no, know, but for me, that was my guy. You know, Hayward just wasn't my guy. You know, like, and a lot of people, I mean, for example, his, his opening day home run is not on my list. And it's not anything to do with him. I loved him as a player. 
and I loved having him on the roster, and I have some very specific thoughts about why I, I do wish he was manning right field, although I understand the financial reasons why that didn't happen. Um, I, I love him as a player, but his opening day home run isn't something that resonates for me in the same way that that did. Yeah, I mean, that that, that would have been on my honorable mention list, and I have it written down to make sure that, I, we, that we got it on here somewhere. By the way, uh, that was 10 years today. Ten years ago today. That that was ten. Man. Ten years ago today, literally today. So uh, pretty wild. crazy. It's been a decade since then. That would have been uh, high on my list. It wouldn't have made the top five necessarily, but that was an awesome moment. And uh, I think everyone, everyone thought he was going to be a generational star at that point. Um, um, you know, I will always defend Hayward as being far better than people remember him being in yep. Atlanta. He was quite good actually for the duration of his Braves career. Um, but. Uh, Without going back into that debate that we always have, yeah, um, multiple multiple years for the five five war. He was very good, um, yes. but regardless, that that was an awesome moment. And by the way, uh, a guy who gets a lot of grief and I think sometimes uh, deserves it, Chip Curry with a heck of a call as well on that one that everybody remembers. So uh, there you go. On um, the home run, yeah, absolutely. On Jason's home run, that was an awesome call and an awesome moment for everybody involved. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two kind of these are both my, the only two ones that I have on my list that were not already said that were regular season moments. So I'm going to, I'm going to name them now. Maybe, maybe you'll have one of them, if not both. Um, one is the Brooks Conrad walk-off Grand Slam. I did have that one, but I have backups. That's okay. It's on my, no, it's fine. We're allowed to, we're, we're allowed to, we're allowed to cross over. We'll talk about these now. Um, there's that one, which is, uh, it was not important necessarily, but that was a ridiculous comeback. And the fact that it was a literal walk-off Grand Slam to win by one in the middle of the day in a day game, I was at work. I remember watching it. Um, I would say I was not supposed to be watching it and was watching it and had to take a lap around my building as I was uh, losing my mind. That was one. And then there's another one that you might have as well. And that was the Chipper Jones last home run walk-off in September 2012. Uh, I didn't have that one, but that's a really good one. It was an awesome moment. I was there, which made it cooler for me. I was. It probably landed, I don't know, two sections over from where I was. I was there, so that, that was an awesome moment to just like, you know, again, not important necessarily in like the grand scheme of winning baseball, but uh, an awesome, incredible moment to have Chipper do that and the place went berserk, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we'll go back to, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to Con right now because uh, you, you had it on your list as well. I feel like that's like the moment in the last decade or decade plus in, in a regular season game that people remember that's not like a tent pole. Obviously, the Chipper walk-off, the Hayward home run, those are like very, very famous plays. The Conrad one is just like a random game that happened, and he was not a star, but everyone remembers that game. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. There's a the game that I have as a backup for that one. I don't know if everyone remembers it, but a lot of people do, and it's fairly recent. So I'm not sure if it's going to stand the test of time the same way that one would. But I mean, it's just. I mean, Brooks Conrad has kind of a interesting career as a Braves baseball player. We'll come back but, to him later, I think. <laughs> no, uh, well, for what on my list, we'll come back. <laughs> I, I, there's some things I choose not to revisit. We'll come but, back. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just say that I love that sort of story where a guy like that something that improbable happens to like win the game, and what Brooks did in that game. Like again, you're absolutely right. Everyone remembers it. Mm-hmm. If you say Brooks Conrad, they're like, oh yeah, he's the guy that. You're, well, yep. it's it's two things you remember for Brooks Conrad for. Unfortunately, it's it's that, and, and then there's we, the and that's the other thing um, yeah. that we'll come back to later. But yeah, it was it was a game that's that shouldn't have. Favorites. It shouldn't have been that memorable. I mean, it's it was a regular, a random regular season game. It was during the day, which is always lower viewing because it's a day game people are at work etc cetera, etc cetera. 
But uh, you don't often see a comeback like that, and you very, very rarely see a team down three hit a walk-off Grand Slam. <laughs> um, it just doesn't happen all that, all that often. So a cool moment, I think, again, not, not super important, but I think everyone that's like a diehard Braves fan remembers that moment uh, and what happened there. Um, what's your next one? Tee it up. So I, I did have Brooks on there, but I, I do want to highlight, and it, again, a game that had absolutely no rule bearing on anything. Um, and one game that I know I forgot to mention, uh, when they clinched the, the division in 2018 was a game that I did want to kind of mention as an honorable mention. Yep. Uh, because I mean like, you know, the, like the Acuna high five, the place going nuts. It felt like finally we were actually watching, you know, them get out of this, this rebuild. All that stuff was real. And I think that for a generation of baseball fans, not necessarily folks my age, or your age, but you know, like you know, that next that next step down, that's going to be a defining moment for them because this is young core that they saw finally emerge. Um, so I did want to kind of call that one out, but I actually wanted to talk about the the game against the Marlins, where the Braves, I think they scored nine runs to come back and win that game, fin- finishing with a like a Dansby RBI double to walk it off. That that's the that's the image everybody remembers is, is Dansby getting mauled, like yeah, running away, getting mauled. Yep. That game, like, talk about a game that had been written off as impossible to win, and somehow they came back to win. And, like, even on the call, you can hear just, like, people in the background going, whoo, boy, you know, things like, it's just, the ball gets down, and, like, it just, it seemed like once they got, like, even if it was getting close, as it got closer and closer, and they scored, like, five, people were, like, well, they're a little bit closer now, but there was still not that you know they still didn't think it was going to happen. Yep. And all of a sudden, the game's like within a run, and everyone's like, "How is this happening? What's going on?" And it turned it turned into one of those classic games for me that I'm going to remember for a long, long time. Uh, I don't think it's going to have it doesn't have it's going to have the same staying power as Brooks simply because like ending a game on a grand slam yeah. is like it's just the, those it's not the same kind of optics, uh, even though the ball barely got over the wall. So like. Yeah, yeah, that's that was one I wanted to call out. I'm with you. That's that, that's a good one. It was on my list, but I I remember that game uh, vividly. So that's a good one to point out regular season wise. And uh, yeah, okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine two now. Only one of them would make my list officially, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned both of them because they're in the same series. Um, this is the one that would not make my list, but the Rick and Keel home run in Game Two uh, against the Giants, 2010, the splashdown. Yep. yep. Um, that was incredible. I really enjoyed that. I remember where I, I remember where I was um, with my friend James Niemeyer. Shots to James. Um, we were watching that game and going absolutely ballistic together um, when that happened. Um, and the same series. Um, I was at the, I was at game three, and I will never forget ever. This is actually going to be on my list, even though they lost the game. Uh, the Eric Kinski home run in game three. Uh, I, I was in the it's building. Good, that place absolutely erupted. I think that might have been the loudest I've ever, that I ever heard that building. Um, that's kind of anecdotal, obviously, but I cannot express. It was like shaking. It was absolutely ridiculous when he hit that home run, and it was uh, they go they go up two one, and everybody thinks they're going to win the game, and everybody was excited because they had just walked off, uh, not walked off, but won the game previously in great shape. And then uh, we won't get into it, but Brooks Conrad that it didn't go well in the uh, in the ninth. With yes, yes, yeah. I mean that was certainly a great moment. I can't put it on my list because of the subsequent events but only because of it, 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 this is moments not games eric moments no no i, moments. I completely 
it is simply t- tainted the moment. I'm, I'm with you. Trust me. I mean, I went, I went into the rabbit hole thinking about this, making sure I had all the details right. Um, what I had actually briefly forgotten was that Billy Wagner got dinged up. And that was because I was, I was like, why was Kimbrel in the game? And then I realized, oh, Wagner got dinged up in the end game too. And that's why they had to go to Kimbrel in that spot. And then you go from there. And that was, that was Kimbrel before he was Kimbrel. He was not, he was a hotshot prospect, but he was not like, you know, the, the best closer on the planet, Kimbrel at that point in time. And then why is Diorian Hernandez not in the game, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Bobby. Um, but anyway, that was an awesome <laughs> moment. Eric Hinsky, that home run was, was one I will genuinely never forget because that place went bubonic. And uh, there you go. Uh, okay. I've knocked two off the list, even though only one off the list. But uh, back to you, and then I will go back to uh, my will. Okay. So this is my last one. Uh, this is also another recent one. I know it's going to uh, be. Yeah, so as soon as I was you said recent. The, I know it's going to be. <laughs> I was in the building, and if you want to talk about seeing an entire stadium getting apoplectic, including the Dodgers fans sitting right next to me, it's the Acuna Grand Slam against the Dodgers. It was on my list, as I don't mention. Um, so <laughs> setting the stage for this, I mean, like this is recent enough where basically all of our listeners remember this. To even get to this point involves a four-pitch walk to Sean Newcomb. Yep. Which, by the way, the place went. I have ne- I up until then, I had not heard, seen. I had been in a Brave Stadium that had gotten that loud. Just I hadn't. And when he drew the walk, everyone went nuts. I mean, like the, the poor Dodgers fans next to me were just like despondent. Like, how could this possibly happen? You know, like of all the guys to draw a pitchers to draw a walk like that, it's Nukem who can barely string together enough yeah, he, muscle movements. To he is not a hitter, to be sure. No, no, not no, not, 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 not a professional hitter. Not at all. Um, and then the, at-bat, the it was a really good net bat. Uh, there was a bad strike call where like, the, I, I, I started to fear a little bit for the, like the umpire's life um, based on how loud the, the boos were. Cause I was, I had also been, you know, in talking about not favorite moments, I was also in the stadium during the, the infield fly game. Ugh, right me too so yeah and that was a rough one um and so i like that's the last thing i want is just this strike call to go against the braves that you know we go back and you know look and realize that maybe the braves didn't get you know didn't, didn't get a go call that cost them heavily uh and then as soon as acuna hit the ball i still have damage to my hearing in my left ear <laughs> from the noise that came out of that stadium. I mean, like I'm not deaf for anything, but like I, I definitely can't hear as well out of my left ear. Um, and it's because of like just the eruption that happens when Acuna connected with that ball and that ball went out and it was for a grand slam. It's, you know what I, I think I would have probably, be, I may have been with you and that I probably would have had it as an honorable mention if I wasn't there for the game. Yeah, and I and I wasn't there, um, so there yeah. you go, and, and that's probably part. And also, I think I don't know. Part of that is my psyche right now. Like, I'm not sure I can get as invested as I used to get. I don't know why that is. Probably just the media stuff that I do and all that stuff. But maybe maybe not. We'll we'll see if that's tested later on. Uh, that was an awesome moment that I will not forget either. I think maybe part of it was that I knew they weren't going to win the series. Maybe that was part of it too. Like I, th- I think we we all kind of knew it was not going to be a favorable outcome in the series, which maybe put maybe took a little bit off of it. But uh, that right. was a moment that everybody will remember. I'm sure that was an awesome one. Um, okay, I'll knock out. Let me make sure I say uh, t- 
one here that I did not have on my list, but people will remember this if you're a little bit older. Um, I have the Andrew Jones two home run game in game one of 96 World Series. That's a, that's a good one for sure. Uh, it didn't make my top five, but it was on my top 10 comfortably. Um, you know, they lost the series in painful fashion after winning the first two games on the road. But uh, I think it's easy to forget now. Like Andrew, I think, has a Hall of Fame resume in terms of just his on-field stuff. But you are on camera saying as much. I, I did say that into a microphone. Um, and the stuff off the field is not great, but alas, um, on the field, there's that. But I think, you know, pe- people almost forget that he was 19 and hit two home runs in a World Series game <laughs> uh, and was like, oh, by the way, I'm here for the duration. I'm going to be awesome. And here we go. Um, and obviously, you know, 10, 11 year old me was not going through prospect rankings. I wasn't sure that Andrew Jones was going to be the next biggest, was going to be the next big <laughs> right. thing. So like what, what I think what I knew at that point about Andrew was that he was supposed to be this young hotshot, but it can't be overstated how big of a story that was that a 19 year old came out in game one of the World Series in Yankee Stadium and hit two home runs to win the game and to help win the game. Like it was an absolutely enormous moment. And then they won the next night and it was like, Oh, they're gonna win the world series again. They're going to win back to back. And then they didn't, but that's okay. Moments again, moments, Eric. And that's a really good one. I mean, that would have been in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. Awesome moment. Um, one more that I want to make sure I'm saving my saving. I'm saving my last one for in a second. Um, cause it's not like the number one for sure. I think Sid was number one for me still, but, uh, one more that gets lost because they lost this series in four games, but um, the Raphael for call walk off home run in Game Two of the 4 NLDS against the Astros. I had, I had forgotten about that one. Uh, that was, uh, only, that was the only game they only game they won in the series. Um, no way, is that wrong? I'm looking at this now. Hold on. I, I, no, I haven't mixed up that. This is, that's, that's for the next one. Uh, 4 they went to get, they went to Game Five um, and lost to Royals. They got they got blown out. It was, it was a Jarrett Wright game. Um, but they were uh, they, yes. they they had to win Game Two. They they got blitzed at home. Um, by Clemens in game one of the 04 NLDS. And uh, they went to the 11th inning. And for call, again, Rafael for call, not the biggest power source in the world, hits a two run walk off home run. And uh, that one gets lost to history because they didn't win the series. But an awesome moment. He was, he was, he was sure. a strong little dude, though. I mean, he, he was. He, I'm trying to. He's not, he wasn't Belliard out there. I'm looking, this, I'm looking at this now. He hit, he hit 14 homers that year. So it wasn't like he just wasn't incapable of it. But uh, he would not have been the number one source for walk off home run on that team. So, uh, also, I do want to mention the Rafael Belliard home run too. I, I that's an honorable mention. The, the only one, literally the, the only one, one. the the one. It, it doesn't take long to find it because there's not many choices to choose from. It's but the only one. that was a, that was a funny one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Rafael Rafael for Cole. That's one that I I don't think gets gets mentioned really at all in this kind of conversation. And uh, I remember that one vividly for whatever reason. I think it was just a cool moment. They won that game, and they could have won that series, and they did not win that series. Uh, that's a theme, by the way, in Braves fandom. Uh, <laughs> last, last last, one is also a series they lost. Uh, another home run. And uh, this is a game that I was at, which is probably why it adds to it a little bit. And it was also because I knew of this person and uh, all that stuff. It, uh, I am speaking of the Brian McCann game two home run off Roger Clemens in 05. Yep, yep. And uh, that they that, that was the only game they won in that series. But uh, McCann kind of announcing his arrival on the national stage to become you know one of the best catchers in the baseball for that period of time uh, off Roger Clemens makes it a bigger deal because Roger Clemens is Roger Clemens. They won that game and it was like all right maybe they can win the series after they lost game one. And uh, famously that's that was the game four Chris Burke eighteen inning walk off that ended that series that was brutal the Joey Devine game. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, this is a a walk down memory lane that. Well, listen, you have to get you uh, have to talk about this stuff because it happened. I mean, you no, know, it's true. It's the true. the only way to avoid talking about the bad stuff, if you're really being honest, is it is just to talk about like the absolute, like basically Sid and ninety five because every other one of these <laughs> ends poorly somewhere well, along the line. So that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, just context is important. Well, but anyway, also, that McCann home run was awesome, man. And I and I will say that like that range of like years up, like you know, like like 2000 to 2010 was well, I say like maybe like 2004 through 2010 is when I was probably my least involved in Braves baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's inter- it's an interesting time in terms of my own fandom. We'll, we can talk about this for a second before we get out of here. But you know. I'm still a kid when they're making the run in the nineties. Like I, I knew what was going on. I was living and dying as kids do. And I always say, um, short of the 28 to three Super Bowl collapse, the 96 world series is the most painful memory I have of sports. Um, it's, it's up there for sure. It's not, it, it was uh, number I mean, one for me for, me, for, me, for, for me, almost for, me, for 20 for, years. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it might be number one simply because I'm not a Falcons fan. Well, that, uh, that, then it would, that however, would be number one for you. Yeah. I'm also a Bills fan, so I have my perf- I have plenty of painful memories to draw from in that regard too. But I, I think '96 might be the worst. I think you might be. I might be with you there. Yeah, that was number one for me for 20 years, and then the Falcons did what they did, and that's the worst loss in sports history. So, uh, regardless, though, that, the '96 World the '96 World Series when you win the first two games in New in New York, I say again in New York, and you come home and lose all three. That uh, I can't talk about it. Uh, so yeah, I mean all this stuff. I mean. The stuff that I think I this just burned my memory the most is that series. Um, I talk about this all the time, but the Levon the, the Levon Hernandez game '97, like that's the stuff that sticks with me the most. But then there was the little uh, the little bit of a lull for me. Like I can't quote. I don't know what it is about this. Maybe it's because I was playing more sports and watching a little bit less during this time. But I can't quote the stuff from like '99 to 2001 as much. Like I, I know what happened. I know they got swept. I know they got swept in '99. All that stuff. But I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some, some like you know, light periods and dark periods, however you want to say that. And then I was really in again when I was in high school and college, which was that, that run from like Oh two to Oh five. Right. And then they weren't that, and then they weren't that good anymore for a few years. And then when they, when they, when they got back in 2010, that's when everybody got back in. Cause they hadn't been in the playoffs. It was such a weird feeling. Cause like my whole childhood, basically into college, yeah. they were good. They, they were all, they were always in. And they were always into the conversation. And then they had the four year the four year gap of making the playoffs, and it was like this is this is weird. And then they were good again. And then suddenly every game meant something. Every you know the, for those four, those four years basically, you know they didn't get they didn't make the playoffs in, in 2011. But three out of four years making the playoffs and not winning any series. And you know as we all know they haven't won a series in a long long time. But still still moments to take away and moments that I will certainly cherish between the, even the ones that get forgotten, like for Cole. And I mean, the McCann one gets batted around because McCann became a bigger deal and it, and it was Clemens and all that stuff. But, uh, there's, there are still some good memories to highlight. And I think because we're the same age, a lot of them are sort of overlapping and I remember all yours and you remember all mine, but, uh, it was fun. To, it was fun to do this. Even if it took me down some lanes that I'd rather forget, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely started, following some of those moments to their logical conclusions and it's uh, a little bit painful it uh, is but hey they won the world uh, series because me, but hey even even sid bream resulted in that that series against toronto yeah they still lost i mean that's that's the thing yeah. about that it's kind of crazy when you when you really think about it and i mean what i said earlier i think the sid play is still the play that everyone says first and they didn't win the world series so it kind of tells you about how how incredible that moment was because you know that world series is almost lost to time i mean the diehards remember it but 
it wasn't like 91 where 91 they could have won the series like it felt like they could have yeah. won um no one says it about 92 like they they just weren't as good as the blue jays they just didn't they just lost it wasn't like yeah. a super memorable series yeah. Joe Carter is a very good baseball player, as it turns out. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't; it didn't have the same moments that '91 had. It didn't have the same drama as '96. Even when you go up, when you go up nope. to, they they just kind of weren't as good as the Blue Jays. I mean, I know they won Game One of that series, but no one, and which I just don't hear it. People don't really reference that '92 World Series a lot because they just talk about Sid. It's kind of funny to me how we how how our brains are wired. It's like almost like the Sid play won the World Series, and that that did not happen. They lost. <laughs> they lost the next week. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, uh, yeah, this was fun. I mean, we could do this stuff all day long, and I, I would be interested to, to kind of go through. Maybe we'll do this when we have, uh, if, if if there's no baseball, maybe we, we can go through the, go through the dark the dark moments when they were bad for a lot of the 2010s. They're, people are going to yell at us if we do that, though. Well, it, I mean, we could try to shed some light in a positive fashion and, like, th- stuff to actually remember, like, kind of fondly from the dark era, era when they were not good. Because, again, like, most of our lives, I would say, you know, definitely the majority of my Braves fandom has been they were good. Now, obviously, they had a lot of heartbreak along the way, as we've been saying, but they were still... I mean, they made the playoffs. I'm going to count it up now. I'm going to make sure I don't have it wrong. But they made the playoffs definitely more than half of the time, probably like two-thirds of the time that I care about baseball. So, um, Yeah. It might be that much. Well, I'm looking yeah. at it now. I mean, yeah, they, they, yeah. they made the playoffs 19 times since 91. So that's 30 years. They made the playoffs yeah. 19 times. I mean, 29, 19 out of 29. So, yeah, about two-thirds of the time. In my life, I mean, granted, fourteen in a row kind of weighs that in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely makes things seem a little better. But yeah, but even the last two years, I mean, if you're if you're a younger Braves fan and you didn't like join the party until the mid 2010s, like the last two years have been fun. I mean, they, again, they didn't end the way anybody wanted them to end, but those were two really fun regular season teams. And hopefully, going forward, they have some more moments like that and make them uh, win a series at some point. Yeah, but yeah, but I was saying, get to get 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 to a championship series. It's you know just win a series. Please, yep. Lord. There, there are people, I'm sure, Eric, to make us feel old for a second before we get out of here, there are people that listen to this podcast that have never in their awake, uh, awake lives seen the Braves win, win a playoff series. I'm sure there are people, Oof. I'm sure there are teenagers that listen to this podcast. I'm becoming concerned that there are people who work for our website. Uh, that might be possible. I mean, 01 was the last time. So do we have any 18-year-olds or younger on the staff? 19-year-olds? <sighs> I don't think we, I don't think I, we, I, we, I I'm not sure. I, I have to, there's a couple of guys I have to check. Uh, I Garrett was, I think Garrett was like two or three the last time. That they yeah. Were. So, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a good thing to remind myself of too. Like there are definitely people that listen to us that have no reference for even the 99 world series when they got blasted. Like that's something that, you know, I was not old by any means. I was in eighth grade. But I was still, I knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, you existed, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, interesting to just kind of think about that. And, uh, yeah, the, the crazy thing is the last, time, the last time they won a playoff series was probably the worst team in that whole era. That is absolutely true. They won, they won 88 there, games. There were certainly better teams that didn't win. Like, for example, the 18-19 years. But, yeah, those, you know, those, even those before teams, that. Th- those two teams the last two years were almost certainly better. Uh, this, this last year's team, 2019, was definitely better. Than the twenty, than the two thousand one team, like not even close. The two thousand one team won eighty eight games. <laughs> yeah. They just happened to win a playoff series because they won a playoff series. I don't remember much about that series. Other than they swept, the, they swept the Astros. That's all I remember about that series, honestly. 
in a while. If I ever really saw a heart, the problem is that once you get back that far, I start mixing up series. Yeah, that uh, happens. I mean, I, I remember, I remember one Cardinals thing. and Astro series and Giant series, for that matter. I remember, um, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember John Burkett pitching well in that series. John Burkett pitched far better for the Braves than he had any right to, just in general. Yeah. Anyway, this is just like Brad and Eric talk about sports for no reason. <laughs> But uh, hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoyed this walk to memory land. If you have uh, thoughts on our top fives, if you want to yell at Eric for not having Sid somehow in his top five. Hey, that is perfectly fine. Do that in I comments. I accept that. I, I accept that. And you want to know something? I accept that that, that, that opinion could just be wrong. But I, if I am making the list in my head of like my like seminal moments for me, it's just not it's just not there. And I, you know, but again, it's not like I certainly don't forget about it. And you know, firmly in my top ten. But like the reason the reasons why I consider something my favorite aren't simply just you know like super important. It's just in the in in the moment when I first experienced them, I'm just kind of evaluated from there. Yeah, that's uh, you know, there should be there there should be some personal some personal spin on this list. This is not best moments. Because those are easy. If you want to just do that, it's like yep. okay, ninety-five World Series, Game Six, and then you go, on, and then you go on from there. That's that's number one for everybody. They won the World Series. Yeah, but, it'd, be um, bunch, it'd be a bunch of playoff highlights and bunch of playoff wins, and that would be about it. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's. I think it's good that we have little things like Soroka or Jeff Rancor hitting a home run in his first for his first hit, et cetera, et cetera. It's that's what makes baseball fun. It's not all about winning, losing. It would be good if they won games, but uh, yeah. there are moments along the way we enjoy. So there you go, baseball sports thank you eric for joining me on the podcast anything no to plug uh, anything anything you have going on i know it's kind of this weird time but we're still doing content on the site so people should be reading it for sure i'm still going to continue doing like the baseball card collecting articles uh going to try maybe to get together some articles for maybe some interviews and things like that it's a little bit tricky to get in touch with guys right now uh, particularly in the minor league side because a lot of them are either looking for employment or trying to figure out how to kind of keep themselves in shape to get into the season so it, it, it's not as simple as just just interview some guys uh but i'm gonna try to get some of that going i know that our draft coverage is going to continue to ramp up uh, i wish we had a better sense as to what that draft was going to look like um and it's kind of hard to scout any of the guys in, in the draft because none of them are playing games either but you know we're going to be doing draft we're going to be doing draft coverage we're, there's going to be content on the minor league and draft side that that's going to be going up over however long this takes uh but it's definitely gonna be spaced out a little bit because it's kind of hard to kind of get a sense as to what to write about without doing everything in the first week and then having nothing else to write about, you know, especially if we end up losing the whole season. Yeah, that's well said. I'm having the same problem on the basketball side. There's just not a lot of uh, certainty right now with timelines, but we will do our best to fill it with content. I know we're doing a lot of like looking back kind of content on Talking Chop, which kind of makes this podcast fit into that. Lots of flashbacks, lots of like, remember this kind of stuff and people should be reading that stuff, click on it, share it with friends. And uh, subscribe to this podcast as well. Hopefully we'll uh, add more content as we go on. All right. That'll do it, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you guys next time.